A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. I'm Jean. And I'm Alicia. And we're ready to evacuate you to the sacred timeline before your branch is pruned forever. We'll be recapping and breaking down the second episode of Loki Season 2, sharing Easter eggs and our current theories about what exactly is going on. And then Jean is going to walk us through an Easter egg or maybe a hint about the future plot in Comics Corner before we get to a little feedback. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about Loki as we discuss the rest of the season. Email your feedback to mcu at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website at thelorehounds.com and use the contact form or record us a voicemail. For ad-free versions of this in all of our podcasts, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. I'll share more about that as well as notes about our upcoming programming schedule at the end of the podcast. Also, we'd be grateful if you could help us get more ears tuned into the Lorehounds MC universe. All you have to do is drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful. Even if it's just a few quick words, we read all the reviews and they mean a lot to us. And before we get started, just a quick spoiler warning. We'll, of course, be spoiling all of Loki episodes up to and including the one we're talking about today. But spoilers from the rest of the MCU and the Marvel comics are also on the table. All right, Jean and Alicia, welcome back. Episode two, it feels like we're cooking with gas. How are you guys feeling? Oh, I'm feeling good. Good. Nice. It's, it's, it's nice to be awesome. watching a show that excites me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, not that I haven't. Not that I haven't had some recent ones, but obviously the last MC one, we, we won't speak of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we don't want to say those words. Cool. Uh, so before we get into our hot takes, which will be spoiler free, uh, Alicia, can you break down the episode a little bit? Give us some of uh, the inside technical details. Uh, yeah. So this episode is called Breaking Bread. Ha ha. I see what you did there. It was written by Eric Martin, who's basically the head writer of the season, although I don't think Marvel really uses that title yet. But yeah, he was also the the main writer for last week. And 
will be going okay. forward. It was directed this time, though, by Dan DeLeu. Uh, so this is a one-off directorial gig in this. I said there were two episodes not directed by Benton and Moorhead, and it's this okay. one and the next one. So yeah, Dan DeLeo, he's an interesting guy uh, to watch his career because he's homegrown talent that they've been growing within the MCU. He started on the Excellent. CGI side as okay. a oh, wow. technical director for Marvel like he was the he worked on Iron Man 3, he did overall VFX for Winter Soldier, which was his first Oscar nom. And then yeah, he had a good collaboration with the Russo brothers uh with Civil War and he also got nominated for Oscars for Infinity War and Endgame um his team. Yeah, he even became a second unit director on Endgame. So he's been moving in that direction. He also did uh was a second unit director on Eternals, um which movie I love and Quantumania, meh. He was a production side supervisor for Loki season one, but this was his first time acting as a lead director. Okay, that's cool. I like that's the fact really that awesome. they're starting to develop some in-house talent like that. So, And you've got some more notes here about writers and directors. We've got some inside uh, industry-related well, news. What's going on? The Discord's been all abuzz about this on Twitter, uh-huh. of course, um, that Daredevil's getting a total reset. Basically, all the writers and directors were fired from Daredevil Born Again, and they're starting from scratch. They were reportedly not happy with the story. It was going to be a sort of lawyer procedural, so probably wouldn't make Netflix fans happy is okay. the idea. Right. Too, a little um, too close uh, or... No, too far away. Oh, interesting. Uh, but yeah, and it it was um, also rumored that maybe they were going to say in the first episode that iconic characters Foggy and Karen had died, which mm-hmm. would have maybe caused riots. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, so Daredevil, because of that, he had given up the suit and he wouldn't appear in his suit until episode four. And they were just like, this just isn't working. Um, we're just starting over. We know there was going to be 18 episodes of that one and they were going to split it into two or three chunks, but maybe that'll change now. But yeah, it's part of a overall strategy that's, apparently they're changing things. They say they're going to have showrunners now, which is something they didn't have. It was just sort of like Feige half acting as every showrunner, which is impossible. And they're going to have pilots and just do things. They're going to, they're like, okay, we finally get the TV is not the same as movies. You can't produce it the same way. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you think? Yeah. Interesting idea. Hmm, here's a new concept. Yeah, so maybe this um, explains the delay that we, we talked about last week until 2025 for Daredevil. Um, right. But yeah, with the SAG after strikes going on now and yeah, VFX strikes may be a danger because yeah, Marvel VFX voted to unionize last month. Right. And the last time their parent company, like their parent union, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, the last time they faced off with the AMPTP, they negotiated a temporary three-year contract, which ends late next year. So, okay, we so should we're be not, watching that. We're we're in for some more bumpy road stuff here. Yeah, Absolutely. I I just can't help but think that this structure with the AMPTA is really a. Uh, big source of problems because they're incentivized to hold down costs as a percentage. And I think that's mm-hmm. how they, the individual people at, at the AMPTA get their bonuses and, you know, and all their kudos is by keeping it squeezed down. And whereas Netflix, Amazon and Apple are completely different animals compared to, you know, an MGM or a Paramount or a Hulu 
I don't know. Hulu's kind of a weird one, but <laughs> they're they're not traditional. Those three, those big three, are not traditional movie studios. They sell toilet paper and watches, and you know, it's like their entertainment is their their side guess, except for Netflix. But they're right. a technology company as much right. as, as anything from their core, from their from their roots. Mm-hmm. So they yeah, there's a novel this, distribution method. That's what yeah, that's yeah, what got right. them are there right. So the the system doesn't seem to be. I don't know. Maybe we need some pruning sticks down. <laughs> I know that's not nice to say, but anyway, yeah. Just it's frustrating, isn't it? Well, I think that's. I mean, that is kind of happening through. They're using the strikes as excuses to change. For instance, the way writers like obviously writers have certain protections now, but they're not mm-hmm. going to be. We were listening to re- previously uh, recently on the town the podcast we often like to reference on the ringer network. And uh, they were talking about how writers are going to not get the same all-inclusive deals they used to get. It's going to be rarer. Right. Which is the all-inclusive deals is, is, is a new old thing because you used to Mm -hmm. be signed with a studio back in the golden age. Right. And then that, that changed in the seventies and you could, you know, when that, when I think Congress passed some laws, that forced the market into, you know, you had uh, producers, you know, people who write scripts and, and do that kind of stuff. And then you'd have production companies and then you'd have studios. And so you had a marketplace at different levels. Oh, and distribution. It was the distribution was the big one. So studios couldn't dis- distribute. So, but then that was deregulated. Mm-hmm. And so now you can get a, you know, a Disney or a Netflix that produces, that, that writes, produces and distributes all in one rather than having marketplaces in between the elements so that you actually had an economy happening. So anyway, I don't know how we're getting way over here on on this side. It's important stuff though. Yeah. Didn't you say there was a voicemail from Dork of the Ninjas on this topic? Yeah. uh, Dork of the Ninjas uh, wrote in and a friend of uh, the pod and and longtime listener, and he's got a a voicemail uh, about the Daredevil stuff. So let's take a listen to that really quick. Hey guys, this is Dork of the Ninjas, or Mike, whatever you prefer. Um, I just wanted to talk about Daredevil Born Again and all the drama going around that real quick. So, I don't know if you guys have heard, but they basically have rebooted the entire series internally in Marvel. Kevin Feige was seeing what was going on with the writing and stuff like that, and what they were they're scrapping all the stuff they filmed, everything. They're basically going to go back to the drawing board, get new writers, get new directors, and just see what they can do to start fresh. The biggest thing is, I'll say, this is almost like a form of encouragement because the fact is it's like they're starting to have the internal review of like, hey, our product hasn't been up to snuff lately. We don't want another secret invasion on our hands. So they're just restarting a little bit from scratch on that one. (laughs) And one of the things that came out as a result of this, they said that they are going to be switching forward to a more traditional showrunner situation instead of having a situation where Kevin Feige is kind of like the showrunner, but not the showrunner because that's kind of how it's been lately. Right. right. I'm enjoying Loki, everything I've seen so far. Um, season, I just watched episode two last night and overall I had a really good time with it. Wasn't as good as episode one, but I enjoyed the playful banter of Loki with more uh, Mobius as, as well, of course, <laughs> but just looking hopefully to seeing so going forward with Marvel, they're going to switch to try and make sure they produce their TV shows more like TV shows instead of the way they've been producing them lately, which exactly. is more like movies that have been stretched out and cut up into multiple episodes. Hopefully that's the case going forward, that they kind of let creative TV directors 
do, and writers do what they should normally do with a TV show instead of trying to force a movie into a TV show format. Just wanted to hear what your guys' thoughts were on all this, and yeah, have a good one. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate that. And uh, just Agreed. a reminder, yeah, you can uh, drop us a voicemail by going to our website and going to the contact form. What did you guys uh, think of Michael's voicemail, Jean? No, I agree with everything that he said. Uh, uh-huh. Just happy that they're taking TV as TV. Right. You know, and, and not doing everything that they want to change in post-production, making, you know, a show that's supposed to be uh, one thought into many different thoughts, you know, after the fact. Right. So, Alicia, yeah. have you listened to the Joanna Robinson interview on the Watch podcast about that her MCU, her co-authored MCU book? Um. Yes. Oh no. I guess not. No. No. Not that. Not one. yet. Yeah. I started listening to it. Uh, I've, I've heard her day. in a few. She's been popping up in a few places. Of course. She's on a book tour right yeah, now. Yes. So. A, a tour. Uh, I, something that was interesting that I heard her say, well, then they were talking about this was that the Thanos plot line was an afterthought was mm-hmm. kind of a, uh, Oh, Hey, wouldn't it be fun if we threw Thanos in there? Oh, sure. Why not? Oh, yeah. Hey, let's make it into a whole thing. And then how we got the MCU is the MCU starting out from just a bunch of handful of different movies trying to recycle the IP. So yeah. It's interesting to watch the MCU going through these evolutions. Like uh, Michael said, if they're now coming around and seeing TV as TV, as opposed to a, a time loom, maybe that's trying to force feed a whole bunch of stuff into a <laughs> that's single That's a good metaphor. Hole. Yeah, it just came to me there. Yeah, I don't know. I think you guys, uh, I think we might have to get that book. Mm-hmm. I, I think it might be a, a really interesting set of information for us to uh, to appreciate. Yeah, and again, I'm just happy that they're they're doing away with what they've done, um, especially if they do away with what they call the parliament from that <laughs> right. Hollywood Reporter <laughs> article. It, you know, just just reading that made my skin crawl. You know sure. what I mean? Just um, get get outside of yourselves and 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 let the people who know how to do things do right. the things they know how to do. Yes, please let people do their jobs. I mean, it's important for studios to have notes and, and there's constraints right. and you want a good business model. You have course. to be realistic. Of yeah. course. Creative process that's, that's, that but works. This but five-person parliament that swoops in to make the changes, changes as necessary, yeah. give me a mm-hmm. break. Come on. Yeah. Come yeah. on. And that's what I think is, uh, and I, I'm on record quite a lot about Star Wars having the same uh, drawback, which is there's too much corporate control, corporate-minded control. We have mm. to protect the brand. We have to protect, you know, this thing. They've also spent, how much did they pay for, uh, to buy the rights for that? Same with Marvel. They put right. out a lot of cash that a they've got to pay yeah. back. So if they're trying to make properties that can splash out to the biggest, widest audience possible when a show or a movie releases, you're then watering down the content so it's not interesting. And so if studio is is worried about driving you know the return as opposed to putting out a good product you're going to end up with a bad product because you're not thinking about making quality you're you're thinking about making money right and what makes money is good product right 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 it's most of the time yeah i mean there's a, the, there's the a lot of short-term thinking involved too which yeah, yeah. Uh, so hopefully they're starting to think more long-term but one interesting uh, other bit of 
a tidbit from the news is that yes. Eric Martin, the um, head writer, as I said, so to speak, uh-huh. uh, he said that there was a character or characters that he wanted to use in Loki season two, but couldn't because they were being used elsewhere. And oh, my mind has been spinning ever ever since <laughs> on what it could be. <laughs> oh, so theories? You guys got I, theories? I have three theories. Okay. Uh, one Jean, is, do you have theories? I'm curious if Jean yeah. has theories too. I do. I do, especially because of what we saw in episode. Okay, so let's do a theory off here. Okay. Jean, what's your theory? It's the same as what you've written down, the mm. first one, Thor. Thor. Yeah. All right. And why yeah. do you say, you say that? Just because the use of the character that mm-hmm. they use in in the story has a meaning to that particular Marvel character. Mm-hmm. So it's like they don't do things normally as, as a throwaway. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, okay, we're going to use this person to introduce another person. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, right. That's pretty standard practice. Yeah, so I was really like, oh, okay. When I went and did the homework on, on the character, and I was like, ah, Oh, okay. And I was waiting to see when he popped up in the in the series and that he popped up so early. Yeah. Made me think that they wanted to use Thor um in some way in some capacity for for the show. Yeah, I mean it's for Loki's character arc, of course we want to see him it's not even reuniting with his brother because it's a brother from a different timeline. From but. a different timeline, yeah. Yeah. And they did bring up his mother. Brad yeah, drops that about Brad, his yeah. mother. And mm-hmm. so, like you say, Sean, yeah. that is, if you hear references outside of things, that's a pretty strong clue, right? That there's yeah. drawing a thread. Yeah. But if he's being used elsewhere, where do you think that might be? Man, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't think about it um, into what other properties that they're currently shooting mm-hmm. that he might be a part of. That's something or maybe yeah, it's just too of. close or something. Or maybe they yeah. want to have a Thor Loki reunion on, like in the cinema, right? Yeah. Instead of on TV, right? Yeah. Because they've got to be making Thor five now that they've teased Brett Goldstein as as Hercules. Like, come on, please. <laughs> I mean, again, we don't know what's what's coming down the pipe because everything is just up in the air. So who knows what they're going to do in the next two three years? But for what they what we know they're shooting. Mm-hmm. Could Thor be a part of any of those? I don't necessarily think so. Not in the shows yeah. that we know that are, that are coming up, like Echo. Um, mm-hmm. Does he have a cameo in the Marvels? I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't so know. Th- that's a possibility. I, I'm I not mean, it's sure. a possibility. You never know. Some they surprise right. you sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Did you have Did you have some more theories, Alicia? Uh, yeah. Well, another one that I can't help but notice is that they have purposely designed the TVA logo so that it looks like Val when it's upside down. Like they even have one of the arms off the T and and they have it completed by, and they made the A and the V look the same. So, and they keep showing it to us in the uh, exit credits. Yeah. So are you saying it spells Val or it's It's, a symbol for Val? It spells Val. It spells the word Val when you, yeah, I posted a picture in the discord if anyone's curious. Um, Okay. But yeah, it just, it, the way it's designed, like it's very, it looks very intentional that they made it so it's interchangeable and they show in the exit credits, like there's a record spinning and it zooms in on it when it's upside down. So they show it a lot. You're right. Yeah. They totally do. Oh, I see it now. I saw your picture here. Yeah. 
Totally. So yeah, so I'm I'm keeping an eye on that. That I would love that. That would be really fun. Um, and that's Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, right? Yes. Yeah. Julia uh, Louis Dreyfus. Dreyfus. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then my other theory is just Moon Knight because they you know have the same directors and um, there's been Easter eggs back and forth uh, between those two shows. Um, and well, I mean at least there was like the the Kang Easter egg in Moon Knight. Um, but maybe they're shooting a Moon Knight season two. <laughs> okay, interesting theory. We'll have to. Moon Knight's one of my favorite of the Got shows. It. So, cool. yeah, those are. John, my did days. you like? Did you? You were okay on Moon Knight, right? Yeah, I was. I was. Okay. It, it wasn't my favorite, but it was cool for what it is. I'm not a big Mark Spector fan. That's the. Mm. That's my the crux of my um. Got it. Issues with Moon Knight. Okay. Like his whole backstory. I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. But um, yeah. What do you guys it's think okay about show. maybe talking about Loki? <laughs> We're twenty minutes into our podcast. Um, let's do some hot takes all around, and then we'll take a break. Uh, these will be spoiler free. So again, if you haven't watched the episode, you can uh, listen up till now. And if you're trying to catch up or whatever, and then after the break, we'll get into a uh, breakdown. So, Jean, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, I love this episode. I thought it was really, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think uh, one character in particular stole the show, um, much like yes. you, David. Uh, yes. I, he, 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 just awesome. Just just nice pacing mm-hmm. for me um, to the to the episode. And I like the fact that we didn't get a lot of, um, we're not waiting for things to happen. Things are happening, you know? Yes. And it's right. like, that is such a, a nice pace to have on a show where the stakes are really high mm-hmm. and they're showing, they're showing you that the stakes are really high by the pacing of the show. Like mm-hmm. they're not playing around here. You know, things are, things are going on. You know, Obi is saying we got to find people because if, if we don't find people, everybody's gone. You know what I mean? So it's really nice to see that there is a direction that they're going, that they're trying to tie in characters immediately to let you know that these characters are important. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I I really enjoyed this episode. Nice. Yeah, it really feels like there's a steady hand at the helm here. Alicia, what about you? What's your general hot take for this episode? uh, The first episode was a 10 out of 10 for me. And this one is like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. So it's still really good, but it wasn't quite as seamless as the first one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I found the opening abrupt. And the pacing was yeah. sometimes uneven. Like, okay. for example, there were some scenes like the there's an, uh, an interrogation scene. And it reminded me of the uh, cinematography from Panos uh, Cosmatos. So I don't know if you guys know the Nicolas Cage movie Mandy. Mm, or, yeah, mm-hmm. there was an episode of Del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities called The Viewing that he also directed. And, and it's this distinctive style with like this slow pacing in a red atmosphere with like a droning soundtrack that creates tension. I really like that. But then I just found it a bit jarring amidst like the usual zippiness of Loki. So but these are really minor mm. complaints. I, I think it all came together by the end. I definitely I have theories I'm going to talk about later about that final tease. And okay. I'm excited for the next episode is going to be uh, directed by the production designer, Kazra Farhani. So oh, I'm no. very excited to see what wow, that's going to okay. look like. That's interesting. Okay. That's a twist. Yeah. All right. Cool. What do you think, David? Well, 
I think I probably largely agree. I'm put, I think coming in around an eight out of a 10 um, uh, type of scale. I was really confused at the beginning of the episode. They really drop us in. They don't do a lot of exposition or an explanation. It's just like, boom, we're, we're doing stuff. And it was a little bit confusing for me. And I, I kind of realized that I hadn't given episode one the, the due care and consideration that we normally mm. do on podcasts. So I woke up early this morning before we jumped on the mics, fired up the laptop, watched episode one and two back to back, and it made a lot more sense. And uh, I, I got into the flow and I was really able to, to pay attention. I thought the right amount of action was used at the uh, towards the end of the episode to really punctuate what was going on. So like you're saying, John, that there's there's stakes and then there's a natural culmination culmination uh, to the stakes. I think the uh, sets, the scripts, the performances, the VFX, the SFX, the ending credits, the scene transitions, this show is firing on all cylinders and it feels really, really good. Uh, and I think another thing that made me feel really good was seeing Loki get to be the god of mischief in this episode. Mm. And uh, so that was really fun to see it kind of return to form and see him flex a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, the, some of the side characters, uh, OB and Casey, uh, they're really developing them nicely. So everybody's in support of a really well-focused story and it feels like the the story the the writers showrunner whatever we're calling people now in the mcu feels like we're pointed in it firmly pointed in a in a particular direction and they're everything that they're doing is working towards that direction so yeah it feels good <laughs> really this is the show we have been waiting for for a little while and it's exciting all right, well, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll get into spoilers and do an episode breakdown. And we're back. Let's get into the episode breakdown. Alicia, you have so kindly, again, done our notes. Uh, how do you want to run us through this episode? We'll go just scene by scene, roughly one scenario at a time. There's just a, I, it, The episode really is only broken down into a few different settings. So, so we, you're, we, are we compressing things a little bit uh, to, to make things fit? Are we doing a little time compression? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the secret is I always time compress. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we don't need to go back back and forth uh, each Perfect. time an edit Great. happens. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we start in the cold open in London, 1977. Loki, Tom Hiddleston, and Mobius, Owen Wilson, show up at a movie premiere looking for the wayward hunter X5, Raphael Cassell, who's modified his temp pad somehow and run away from his job to be a movie star named Brad Wolf on the Sacred Timeline. Lokbius thinks since he's recovered his <laughs> <Are> you- <laughs> pre- <laughs> that's my couple name for them. Yeah. Nice. Okay. It works. <laughs> I love the fact that this is a like kind of a workplace comedy at the, at the same time. Yes, sort of it is. Yes, yes, so yes. It's cool. 
Go continue, please. Uh, Lopez thinks since he's recovered his pre-variant memories, he might have intel on where Sylvie is because this has her enchantress powers written all over it. A chase ensues, and we get to see Loki fully Loki out with all his magical extraness, and he captures Brad slash X Five to take back to the TVA for interrogation. And meanwhile, Hunter B-15 Wunmi Mosaku also pretends to be an American tourist before breaking out some martial arts skills, managing to rip the modified temp pad from X-5's hands. Now, yeah, Jean, I know you're going to explain the Zaniac in uh, Comics Corner. Yeah, um, you made me go do my homework. <laughs> <laughs> so I did some homework. I had some homework, so I got some stuff to talk about. But it was pretty front and center. I mean, they had oh, yeah. a movie yeah, poster up there. Yeah. You referenced yeah. it a couple of times. So yeah. it was, I, I instantly, when I saw Zaniac, I was like, okay. Yeah, questions. <laughs> what, yeah. What's, yeah, questions. <laughs> what, what does this mean? Um, so. I love, yeah, later he says, it's an elevated thriller. It's cinema. Yes, it's and cinema. that's like, that's <laughs> probably a jab in Martin Scorsese, who last yes, year or something is. called Marvel Not Cinema. <laughs> Oh, yes, is that, oh yes. that is nice. See, yeah. see, when you have writers on the job, the, this is the kind of fun stuff that you get. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, you and I both agreed it was kind of a jar- jarring start. David, what did you think, Sean? Um, I didn't think it was jarring at all. <laughs> I mean, just when they jumped you, because then you start to figure it out. But at first it was like, wait, did I miss something? Like, Yeah, when, they when- don't. They, like, don't yeah. they don't handhold. They don't handhold on the on the start mm-hmm. of this episode. I guess I I, I guess I was because I, I I saw some of that in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I was I was just like, oh okay, this is the the set that they're they're running from the 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 trailer. I wonder where mm-hmm. it's at. And then I they started to explain to fill it in, and I was like, all right, cool. So I, I it didn't take me. I wasn't taken aback by it at all. Okay, yeah. Like from the from the jump, I was I was in it. You know what I mean? I, right. I was mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, and, and I I like a good strong start like that, generally speaking. Um, and I like it when a show doesn't spoon feed me too much. I mean, I think they could have done a little bit more, but then when, like I said, when I went back and I did a one to two back to back, it made a lot more sense. It was a lot mm. more clear for me. But how good were these guys in their tuxedos? They were looking yeah. good. Oh, especially the, what was it? Loki had the frill. The- yes. Yeah, so yeah. Loki <laughs> has the, the frill. And I love it when he's walking down that alley and he's got that sort of big cat shoulder yeah. roll walk and he unbuttons his jacket. Um, this was really, and, and then of course, all of the illusion tricks and the shadow play. Oh, yeah, that was so good. That was my favorite part of the episode. It was so great to see Tom Hiddleston play Loki that like we knew. And of course, we get a call back later when they're in the um, when they're in the automat eating pie. Uh, right. So it, it just it just felt really just cool. I was like, great. OK, Loki, Loki's yeah. back. He's not just being ripped like spaghetti around the timeline. <laughs> He's actually getting to do Loki stuff. This is we have to remember the not reformed Loki. Mm-hmm. Right, he's not reformed yet. This is mm-hmm. the Loki that we got right after um, Avengers. Mm-hmm. So he's this is not the guy who, you know, came to suddenly in love, fully embrace his Asgardian side. Mm-hmm. Right, this is the Loki that's aligned with Thanos. So it's it's really great to see that villain come out. Yeah. You know, because yeah. this is Loki the villain. This is not Loki the anti-hero. This is Loki well, the he's trickster on his, god. 
He's on a different uh, redemption arc. Yes, exactly. Exactly. This is not the guy from Ragnarok. This is, you know, this is, this is evil Loki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's nice to see that part of his character come out. For sure. It was definitely nice to see. Were either of you confused about X-5's, um, I don't want to say identity, but when, when I saw Brad Wolf and they're calling him X-5, I was really confused. This part led into my confusion. I was really confused because I did not recognize him. Oh, yeah, because he, he grew out his hair. The, yeah. Well, I, yeah, obviously, I think they, they filmed those scenes uh, yeah. after these scenes, right? You know, because to cut his hair. Or it's a know. wig, could be. It looks pretty good. It looks like a yeah, great wig, boy. Looks, <laughs> that was a great wig. Nice hair. I was so confused. And so when I, again, when I did my rewatch, it, it made sense. And I just sort of accepted it from here. But his character shift physically in, in terms of mm-hmm. how he's playing it, he's not playing that cocksure, you know, bro with the armor and the gloves, with the goatee and the short hair. I mean, Thankfully, they didn't give him a mullet for for that character, but because it would have been fitting. But he just had such a, a change in performance and physical look that I didn't really. It, it took me a long time to figure out. No, that's actually the same actor. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and I think that's you know it it was great because, like you said, he took off the armor. Like mm-hmm. so, we see who X Five really wants to be. Right, he's not pretending to be this thing that existed in the TVA. So, so what you're seeing, go ahead. I was going to ask you guys, how long do you think he's been living on that timeline from his perspective? Because we know obviously that it's a different time than uh, the TVA is experiencing. Well, long enough to be able to, you know, get build into a career. acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> build a career so that he's got a London premiere. Like this guy has a thriving Hollywood career right now. So unless he was just found how people get found by directors you know like no he wasn't found it looks like he built a career for himself so what what was the little little wrist device that he used to do that sort of short-range teleportation thing have we seen that before yes we have but i didn't write down the name of it (laughs) okay all right did we see it in season one i don't i don't remember yes okay god i almost need to do a season rewatch i don't know if i've got time for that though so but that's, I mean, it was that that was part of the temp pad, no? Yes, it was. Yeah, but, but, I can, but, it, but that that specific function has a name. I can't remember. So, okay, because when B-15 fights him and rips it out of his hand, it did, did it break a little bit and he got part of it and she got the majority of it? Or was this a whole separate device? It's two devices okay. that that he uses as, as one, right? Okay. Um, okay. So it's like two separate things mm-hmm. that come together to make this to make those jumps possible. So right. that's why he couldn't really do it when Loki caught him. Right. Right. All right, anything else uh, about this opening sequence? Um yeah, I mean I'm not going to go through all the easter eggs, but I just have to p- point out one is uh that there was a Kingo poster which is appropriate Kingo being the um the eternal who has been secretly pretending to be his oh. all of his descendants who all <laughs> happen to become major Bollywood stars. Where was the poster? <laughs> uh in the in in the theater when they were doing the chase. Oh really? Ar- around the theater. Yeah. Was it yeah. in the alleys or was it in the theater? Um 
it was, I think, in the alley. I don't know. You're asking a lot of very specific questions. I didn't. You told me fewer details. <laughs> you told me not to write down the details. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, it's there. Go back a little bit. Cool. I think it was in the alley. <laughs> okay, that would make sense if it was in the alley. Yeah. We have uh, after the Licky Tiki Loki Tiki Taki intro, uh, Brad Wolf is brought back to the TVA holding, though it's unclear under whose authority. And Lokbius takes the modified temp pad to OB to get it checked out. Uh, but OB Kehui Kwan reminds them in his signature uh, perfectly timed upbeat delivery that it's probably more important that he fix the temporal loom before all of time melts down. <laughs> uh, so he hands them the TVA guidebook, which they are supposed to have already read and encourages them to take care of the temp pad investigation themselves, which clearly does not go well. Uh, we also saw Neil Elise back as D90 assisting our crew. Uh, seems like he might be doing something important. Uh, maybe he'll be sacrificing himself later in the season. What do you guys think? Yeah, they're definitely building him up to be a functional part of the, the storyline and whether he's a, uh, a pin in a grenade that goes off later or it has a clutch save something. They're definitely building him something they're giving him. They're giving enough of him to us that we're, we're going to start to care about him and then it's going to be something good or something bad, <laughs> something bad for him. Right. But it's going to be clutch for sure. I don't have an opinion on <laughs> if he lives or dies. <laughs> if he's here for the long haul or not, D90 is nice to know you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, they, they set things up, right? So mm -hmm. it's not by accident that we're seeing this character Correct. that we know of, but it's not terribly integral to the, the party. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's here. So to serve a purpose, what that person purpose might be. Yeah. Maybe he does save someone at the end and sacrifices himself. But, um, We'll Something see. along those lines. So he's going to yeah. have a function. Yeah. 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 For sure. They don't do these things by accident. I got to give a shout out to the cinematography on this mm -hmm. show. The perspectives of Mobius and Loki walking in through the tunnel, that, that tracking shot as they come through, he's, as the camera's backing up with them. And then we've got Kehi Kwan on the floor and we tilt up and we have Loki and Mobius looking down. We have the checkerboard ceiling. There's just a lot of beautiful visual imagery here and really smart uses of the camera to keep us in. And I think that's one of the things I'm enjoying about the show is that it's very character forward and character focused. And they're doing that by bringing the camera, using the camera smartly, using mm. the, the, the shots, the way that they're setting up the shots, the way that they're doing their wides and their close-ups. It feels really, really expert level TV movie making. So it looks like the cinematographer for this episode was Oliver Lawn Crane. Okay. Well, they are they are nailing it along with the the set decoration and the props. The oh, the computers and the switches. I, I have either of you seen um was it Chernobyl? Yeah, the HBO mm -hmm. uh, yeah, mini about, about Chernobyl, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that I get a lot of vibes from that that sort of 70s era Soviet yeah. Uh, not it's not full brutalism because there's a lot of art and in design flourishes, but it has they the the hallway that they walk through that's curved 
or when they're down in the control room, the sets that they're building out are, are just incredible. And so matched with this competent filmmaking, it's, yeah, it's a sumptuous feast for sure. And um, yeah, I was going to ask who your favorite character is this season and why is it OB, but it sounds like you guys <laughs> might have, a, you guys might have a, another contender. Oh no, it's still OB. It's still OB. Oh, it's still OB? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still OB for me. I, I'm loving that uh, Casey's stepping up and they're giving him more, though. Yeah, He's not me just too. a simple character or a comic relief, but he's actually going to have some impact. He's smarter than the... he looks. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's smarter, smarter than, than he, he looks. looks. Yeah. 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 There's, more depth, there's more depth to Casey than we originally believed to be. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I loved uh, I love this whole s- scene here of them, you know, struggling with the tempad because, of course, <laughs> why, why would they know what to do with that? Um, and I love that they reference like said section forty two is supposed to fit into which a lot of people are like, oh, forty two every time it comes up because it's like a f- because of Hitchhiker's Guide and right. you know God, um, yeah. and Spider Verse and stuff. It's a famous number, but I, I think I love that it's Level just kind 42. of like showing how how ridiculously complex everything in the TVA is. And and the guidebook is really thin, right? Yeah. It's not like a huge <laughs> thing, but everything's written in. So is there something about the guide or the, the manuals, the TVA manuals that is like TARDIS-like as well? There's right, more in right, there, right. You know? There's more in there than once you open it, 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 yeah. it leads to like a, a huge tone, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Nah, they're doing some good stuff in this. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> but still, OB's the favorite. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Casey is a good contender. But and yeah. I, well, we'll get to we'll get to Brad here in a minute. But Brad, <laughs> oh man, his yeah. this guy, this actor, like, where did he come from? Anyway, carry on with the, yeah. the next scene. So. Uh, well, speaking of Casey, uh, yeah. played by Eugene Cordero, aka Pillboy from The Good Place, um, he's looking for Ramona Renslayer's Gugu Mbatha-Raw's temp pad on all the timelines, which B-15 assures him is not a secret mission because she did a lot of killing on her way out the door. Uh, but without Miss Minutes, all the searching has to be done manually. Um, but he did find out that the last person to send um, Renslayer a message before she went offline was Miss Minutes herself. He shares this with Lokbius, and Loki shares the recorded conversation with Renslayer he heard in the last episode. B-15, she had a funny moment here where she's like, <laughs> she, <laughs> she really is f- full of surprises. What do you think she was going to say? <laughs> yeah, uh, that, was, that was nice. They kept yeah. it PG there. Yeah, uh, well, I, mean, I think it's, uh, it's B-15's sense of to degree professionalism, you know, she's she's not going to swear in the workplace necessarily. Right. Kind of. That's right. the way I read it. I, I kind of like it that way. No. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, I think she's awesome. Yeah. When he's yeah. really has, ste- stepping up into this role. Yeah, she has a real gravitas on the screen. Um, yeah, she's 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 just awesome. I, but I, I, do I love watching they- her. I, I love watching her too, which is now like, I hope she gets more to do in the series, but I do, yeah. it seems like now they're showing her doing a lot of reaction shots. So right. like she's taking everything in and and thinking about things a lot right now. And, and so far her, she's just sort of a one note character in terms of, well, we can't stop, you know, we, we can't be pruning. These are lies. Right? Yeah. That's that was right. this episode and last episode was just, just that I, yeah. I never would have thought coming out of Lovecraft country, we would have seen Winnie step over into the MCU, but wow, it's a really great stepping stone for her. She, she was great in Lovecraft country, but also I have to shout her out. 
I have to shout her out in uh, his house, which is also which Didn't is on Netflix. One. I think that's okay. a it's a horror movie, and she plays a refugee from South Sudan. Oh yeah, I, I, I didn't watch that. I didn't watch. It's that. I mean yeah, tis the season, so I, I yeah. recommend that to anyone. It's a good one. And Lovecraft. And Lovecraft, I, I uh, yeah, so good. Also that. good this time of year. I yeah. remember uh, those were pandemic days, and I remember where we were out, and that was on, and I remember messaging with you jean about yeah. uh, uh the show and listening to the official podcast and yeah that was, it was such a, uh, yeah such a heartbreaking that they never got the season did, but they, the, did the, she didn't get to yeah. do season two yeah 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 yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah all right all right anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway speaking of uh casey he is of course the one other person in the tva who has uh, read the manual uh, ad nauseum so he steps in to save poor x5's tempad from lopius's fumbling and <laughs> like ob casey is certain that what x5 said what x5 said isn't true the modification that's been done to it is not to block TVA tracking. There's a different reason it was modified. Um, and this new role leads to Casey getting to meet his hero, OB, which has yeah, completed his uh, OB has completed his modification for the temporal loom to prevent time from melting down, but has realized that the blast doors are now locked shut and can only be opened by Miss Minutes or he who remains himself. Right. So um, this is a bit of a combined scene setup, right? We're plugging mm-hmm. in multiple pieces here. Yep. So I, I loved seeing Casey fanboy yeah. on OB. Yeah, OB. That, was, that was so cool. And OB being yeah. completely like, cool, good to meet you too. Like, no yeah. ego about it, no nothing. And when he, just to hark back to the scene about, well, hey, what's priority? Should I work on the temporal thing or work on this tip ad? Like, that <laughs> yeah, was an honest I, question, right? He wasn't right. trying to be sneaky. I I feel like he does know what he's saying, but he just delivers it in this way. Like, and also when uh, B fifteen walks in and we hear the first off screen, we're all gonna die. I, I laughed out loud the first time. Like, that's not a funny thing to say, but the way he delivers it is so good. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and I guess we talked about the the uh, the, the TVA manual, mm-hmm. um, but that his picture was in there. And yeah, this thing is a is a weird thing. I hope they play with it a little bit more because it's around. The more on my second watch, I noticed it more around. It's it mm-hmm. is around in people's hands and people's on people's desks, things like that. So I hope it's a, a fun device that they they activate up a little bit more in the plot. Yeah. So yes, and um, he had access denied because of invalid temporal aura, mm-hmm. but. Okay, there's some people saying things online and they're getting in my head and people I'm worried. People saying things online? I my know, <laughs> never. But I'm worried Sorry, I'm about not trying to be snark. I'm worried Do about you. OB. <laughs> um OB is is he playing innocent or is he is he really pulling the strings? Like could this be some sort of manipulation to get Kang and Miss Minutes back? Jean, I mean, I I there you go. Um I I said it the last time we spoke after episode one there's more to ob you know Mm -hmm. there's more to ob and it seems like this is some sort of triumvirate with you know king at the top and miss minutes and ob you know second fiddles to running the entirety of the tva um so this guy that we're seeing who's really innocent and you know, fun is a playful character who doesn't seem to remember everything. You know, he has his memory jarred. Is there a reason for that? 
like if he knows who he is, is that the person that's going to, you know, go on rampages? You know, it, it, there's a lot of questions around Obi that I have. I don't fear it because I think it would be so cool if he turns out to be really evil. Oh, <laughs> I would, no. I would oh like it. a complete oh, heel turn. <laughs> oh, if he does a heel turn, oh my gosh, that that's going to be so <laughs> awesome. That's going to be... I'll, you you I'll, love a villain. <laughs> I, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And if he does it, oh my gosh, I, my neighbors are going to hate me because I, <laughs> 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 I will be yelling late right. into the evening. <laughs> Fair. I, it would, it been, would be fun. I've been taking him as um, maybe he doesn't know who he is beyond, you know, like he's mm-hmm. got, he's just. Uh, he's playing it that way, at least. For exactly. Sure. And that's the way I'm reading it. And, uh, yeah. you know, is he programmed that way in, in a right. sense? Right. right. Is that the, the limit of his knowledge? Because he, I agree. There's way more going on because he's way way more knowledge especially last episode he's way more knowledgeable about all this stuff mm-hmm. and yeah well i mean he's the only one that comes down to the loom and he only runs diagnostics every couple of hundred years right so right he's clued in and at, at some other level and why do they keep him down there mm-hmm. by himself and that he doesn't have a team right yeah he's isolated in some way so what is that telling us Right. Well, meanwhile, while this is going on, uh, we have an interrogation. So freed up from the IT stuff, Lokbius, uh, they get to play good cop, bad cop with X5 or Brad, as he insists on being called still. Brad. Um, Brad. <laughs> Breaking Brad. He doesn't want to give up what he knows about the locations of General Docs, Katie Dickey, or Sylvie, uh, Sylvia DiMartino. But after a whole lot of mind games, followed by some claustrophobia-inducing light torture play-acting. He's ready to take Lokbius to see Sylvie's new secret life. And there's also an interlude where the boys stumble across a suspiciously sudden cafeteria and eat some virently green key lime pie. <laughs> this was uh, just a, a great big chunk of the episode. It, it, yeah. it really did a lot of work, a lot of character work. And yeah, I, I enjoyed all of these sequences super much. So did I. It was very interesting filmmaking going on here, um, but some some of it I think could have been zippier just because this is Loki. Like I wouldn't mind it in a different show, but uh, but that's just me. That's just uh, one episode. I, I still I really agree enjoyed it. that the pacing on this particular episode was a lot different than episode one, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think having listened to podcasts for years before becoming a podcaster and then now listening to other podcasts to, you know, just to be part of our industry. That's one of the consistent complaints I hear about people make all the time. It's an easy one. It's an easy shot to take about pacing. And I don't know. I mean, I, I agree. Sometimes there are, are criticisms about pacing, but I felt the pacing of this episode for the story that we're telling in this episode for me was fine. I, okay. I was I was very happy with it. I never felt the fast, slow, up, down, thin thickness of it. It all seemed relative to the story. And it flowed to me. It okay. flowed. It flowed. It was slow for you. Let yeah, me. it was. It flowed for me. Oh, he flowed. said flowed. Yeah, 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 not slow. Oh, yeah. Not slow. Okay, it let me yeah. let me explain what I mean by the pacing. Is yeah. so I watched this episode twice, and the second 
time, especially, uh, I noticed that I there were some scenes that I just wanted to go faster that I wished I could mm-hmm. play, speed up the that's playback. And that's very personal to me. Sure, I will admit fair. that I have ADD, and this is definitely <laughs> plays a factor in the fact that I do like a faster, more frenetic pacing, which right. is more typical of Loki. Can I just but, really quick? But like I you... said, I do enjoy that, like the the cinema style that they used. Um, yeah. In this, especially in this interrogation sequence. I- I was just going to segue, interject slightly. Netflix has a uh, speed you can you can increase the speed where a lot most other pl- I think Hulu has it too. Uh, maybe I'm um, wrong there, but maybe, nobody yeah, else no, has I, a. I can't. Yeah. And I agree with you. I really sometimes when we're watching these things, I wish I could do like a one at one point two x or one five x, especially when I'm like rewatching to make notes. You know exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I kind of stepped on your point there, though. So, no, no, yeah. Yeah, I guess I could I could see the point. They did take. They did take their time, but it was fine for me. I, no, I that's good. It. That's good. Yeah. Uh, it was just for, I mean, like I said, I still really love this episode. Uh, it just wasn't as perfect for me as sure. the first one. Yeah. But there were a lot of very interesting moral questions in this okay. whole sequence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even Mobius admits later, like, oh, we kind of tortured you a little bit there. <laughs> but also, yeah, we have X5 asking B15, you were the one blabbering about lives in the timeline. Well, I went down and got mine. So what are you mad at me about? And it's like, well, he's kind of got a point. Mm, at yeah. first I said he kind of has a point. But then I realized what they were yeah. doing. When yeah, they revealed yeah, okay. what they were doing, I was like, yeah, no, bro. No, then he's <laughs> nah, just being cheeky. Nah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just being cheeky right here. No, I get out yeah. of here. Yeah. But get despite that, I, I somehow liked Brad more this episode. So you did. Where I did too. I was. You guys really, liked him. Yeah, as, as ah. a, he, he had a, a, a charisma. Once he got rid of the goatee and had his you know, ah. hair long, maybe it was the tuxedo and the white scarf. I don't know. I'm a sucker. Yeah, it for, seemed like he had like look. claimed his own. He, he knew himself now, right? Because he lived his life as it mm-hmm. was on the sacred timeline. Oh, I didn't like him at all. <laughs> I mean, he was being a jerk, you know. But yeah, that's what yeah. I, no, I like yeah. the I like the portrayal. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. It was one of my yeah, favorite. Yeah. This entire scene, all the scenes that he was in, were captivating. Yeah, like completely. They, yeah. they were they were so well done. The banter was great. The back and forth, the just him overall as a as a character was so well fleshed out and really well done. But I don't like him. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, you put your finger on him as the guy who's got to go. And yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> like, get in the box, bro. I don't he's like slimy, him. You know? He's slimy. He's oh. slimy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but get okay, did you? So they the the whole box sequence they set up Loki's technical ineptitude early in the episode, but I didn't believe that he didn't know how to operate that torture box. Neither machine. did I. Okay. No. Neither did I. Neither <laughs> but did I. it was such good acting. On yeah. Both yeah. on Hiddleston's part yeah. and yeah. on Loki's part. So and, yes. really and, followed. Yeah. yeah. And Owen Wilson, who is like pretending yes. to <laughs> not Out be in on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the way that they set that stuff up when they would close in on the porthole and do long shots in the room, oh, it was mm-hmm. so, so well set up. It was it was perfect. It was good stuff, yeah. man. It was good stuff. That whole and thing. this actor, where has he been? He's a revelation. <laughs> he is, uh, what's his yeah, name he again? Has, uh, Raphael, oh, what's his name? Um, I did, I looked him up and he's been in stuff, but just not like stuff that I've watched, so... Right. Huh. Where where is it in your notes here? It's you have it in your notes somewhere. Oh yeah, when he Raphael Cassell. Yeah. He he is his 
playing off of the energy of of Owen Wilson and and Tom Hiddleston and trading the banter back and forth and the sort of aggrieved nature that he had about being, you know, wanting to get out of uh, one timeline and back to his other one, all of that and the, the, the punchiness of the dialogue, the jabs as he's going after Loki and what he says to Loki. Wow. And then yeah. he follows yeah. it up with, with Mobius. Yeah. Yeah. Mobius snaps. Yeah. 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 He said to Mobius, yeah. until you wake up, you're nothing. You're a nowhere man. And that made Mobius lose it. Woo. Yeah. What do you think that's, yeah. what do you think that's about? I love the nowhere man thing too. Yeah. It instantly made me think of the Beatles song. So uh. I wonder if that's intentional. I don't know. Mm. Now I'm going to have to go uh, dig oh, up some stuff about um, Nowhere Man. Could be. And yeah, Mobius says later on, uh, the TVA is the only life I've ever known. Do you think it was about that? He said he talks about being afraid that he lost something good. Yeah, he's more afraid of losing something good than having something bad happen to him. That's really then, interesting. Yeah, then that he lost something, that he left behind a bad life. Well, and this again is where a quality show is working. You know, a quality show is working because that is a very interesting line for a character to deliver us to give us an interior, you know, his interior sensibility. But it's also saying to us something in here in our primary world. And how we as human beings deal with, you know, loss and good times and how sometimes people will downplay the, the good times and they'll, you know, will suffer, will, I can't think of the word, perseverate, perseverate on, on. Persevere? No, not persevere, perseverate. Being stuck, always thinking about the same thing over and over and over again. And so how, um, just this whole question of, you know, how we think about things and, and good times and bad times. And how he says, I, I can easily deal with a bad time. It's the good time. If I lost that good time sensibility, that would be more soul crushing to me than, you know, having something, oh, you know, something tragic happened to me. It's such an interesting commentary. I think Mobius is, is an interesting guy. He's an interesting character because he doesn't even, out of everyone there, he's the only one that really doesn't seem to want to know Mm -hmm. anything that happened before he knows what happened mm -hmm. <laughs> right he's saying all right this is a there's a cutoff i i know this life i know what this is i don't really want to know i don't care to know about what could have been because i know what is and what is is here and now and it's right and it's good enough for me that's like david said in the real world that's that's very applicable to a lot of a lot of folks you know mm -hmm like who have trauma, mm. right? They, they don't want to revisit that. I'm in a good place now and I want to stay in this good place. And this is where I'm going to, to focus my energies on, on being right. in the here and right. now. Right. Right. So the, when it's something, the change is scary, right? It's something different. Yeah. It's more scary than living with what I've got right now. Right. So when he delivered the line, I, the, the thought that I had was like, I wonder what he went through mm -hmm. in a previous mm -hmm. life, you know, and the body remembers, right? He, right. The mind may forget, but the body remembers and so right. that right. kind of trauma, which really right. goes into a lot of the Lovecraft country story. Yeah. Lines, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. It was mm -hmm. how we carry trauma through it's us forward through history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, through history. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's literal epigenetics. It's, right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that's when he said that, I was just like, 
wow, I wonder what this guy went through to to come out of it. And, you know, there's something that's saying to himself, don't even think about that. Don't don't do it. Don't 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 worry Can, about what what happened before. Do we should we just hold on the theory about Mobius's backstory till we get to the end sequence? Because I've kind of started to bite my nails. I yeah. wanted to talk about it. I did put it in the notes for the back, but yeah, bring it up. If yeah, we could talk about it now. Okay, so <laughs> I saw this. I was scrolling through Dead Bird. I, I'm not fully over to Fluffy Cloud yet. I, I spend more <laughs> more still. There's I. I'm frustrated because a lot of what I want on the dead bird is right. You know, it's not there yet. I no, know. not everybody is, is over in the fluff and not cloud. all the features. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Anyway, features, even though features. dead birds stripping away features. But yes. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Uh. Yeah. Um, Eric Voss from uh, new rock stars posted something on his Twitter about Mobius's backstory. And I think he juxtaposed a picture of the, uh, oh, what's the kid's name at the McDonald's? Jake. Uh, yeah, Jake and Mobius and hinting at Oh, it's Jack. Top. Sorry, it's Jack. Jack, 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 Jack sorry. Uh, Jack and, and Mobius. And I was pretty taken aback by that. I thought that was a pretty solid out-of-the-box theory. I don't know. What did you guys think? Yeah, I could buy into it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jack has a Big time crush on Sylvie too. Yeah, yeah. They're making sure that we see see that and yep. see him. So yep. uh, yeah, solid theory. You know, got to get across. He's there when she walks in, and there's an interaction, and then there's multiple. You know, then he asks her about the straws, and then at the end, I know we're jumping scenes here a little bit. It. I mean, we're time slipping. That's what this podcast yeah. is about, right? <laughs> right. That he. They're giving that character a lot of space, and so if something happens in that place in that time and he does something that takes you know has the TVA take notice or you know somehow i guess shines in some way or something i could see him getting pulled in yeah. and then that would account for the trauma as well although that timeline they're on is it's a divergent timeline but that he would still be the same character on yes. i mean obviously it would have been a divergent timeline that Mobius was, yeah, was pruned from, from anyway right. from. yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So I, I really like it, and it would make for me uh, a wholeness for that character in an in an interesting way. I know we're always hunting for shadows in the in yeah, shows like no, this. No, I mean, but I think it's, <laughs> this a, show but is it's a good for. one. It's a good one yeah. to hunt for because yeah, I could see him. I could see them being the same character. Right. Can I throw another theory yeah, on yeah, the yeah. table? Um, well, no, we can't theory craft <laughs> no. on this show. <laughs> okay. Well, it's more of a question, but like what do you think is up with the key lime pie? Because mm. I don't know, it was suspicious the way they just kind of stumbled upon it without like, they're both like, no, you let me here. No, you let me here. Nice. And, uh, and then it seemed oddly calming on them both. Okay. Well, let's answer that. But then we have to talk about the hallway and the automat and all of this stuff too. But yeah, I, I don't know if the pie is a plant. Uh, that's all they were well, I think selling. It's all in connected. The yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. That's what it looked. It looked like yeah. it was only pie. Had, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the the hallway of the God, where did they find this set? <laughs> it is incredible, and the camera work of them tracking through the through that curve perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then as they're sitting there with the repeating square pattern of the pie, and to get all that old automatic equipment because that is real stuff. That was the right. this is real stuff from the past. And then to have the matching key lime pie pattern on the floor and on the ceiling, 
gorgeous, absolutely stunning. This, this and, go ahead, David. Yeah, no, I'm done. I, I'm just gushing. So, when they were walking that mm-hmm. hallway, that curve, yeah, it, it flashed. I, I flash back to to Thor Ragnarok when he okay. is walking with Korg, right, in one big circle. Mm-hmm. Right, and that right. was on Sakaar, right? When they that were was on Sakaar the... when he was captured, um, mm-hmm. and and put they put the chip in his the in his neck, but he thought that he could get out of the room, but mm-hmm. it was just leading him back in one huge circle. So like an Ouroboros, like oh, an Ouroboros. Oh, there it is. Like an Ouroboros. There so it is. That's a another thing that made me think of Thor. In this mm, episode, nice. so more evidence for the Thor theory. That's what I got. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I loved also Loki calling out. He's he was just like when they're having their calm pie. He's like, you know, Moby. Sometimes you just have to let your rage out. Like, remember that time I insert entire plot of the Avengers. <laughs> that was so because I was mad at good. my at my dad and, yes. and my brother. You know. Yeah. Not because and, I wanted and, to rule the world or take over, you know, so, the cosmos, but because I was mad, mad at I was my mad brother, at my dad. I was having my a dad. Yeah, you know, and this is this is exactly you know the redemption path, right? Like yeah, recognizing right, right. what what you've done and the reasons that that you've done. Them, That's right. That's right? right. Yeah, you have to so, acknowledge. You have to kind of inventory the hurt that you've done, so yes. that you can acknowledge before you can fix it. Another Thor. Totally, like, yeah. Can I yep. get can I get together with my brother? Like they're, they're planting like little seeds here, you which know. Which is what they do, and which is what we want from MCU, right? This is what right. the genre is is, right. is interconnectivity, right? Which is comic books, right? So we're which is comic, books, comic book, which yeah. is comic. I wonder how many. Um, I wonder how the global sales of key lime pie uh, are doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope people don't expect it to look like that. No, I'm not no, a key lime pie a, guy. That is oh, a that that was TV like key lime pie. Oh, yeah. I'm not a key lime pie guy. What's the I, I definitely am. With the whipped cream, it, it cuts it right. That's you got to have that uh, balance. No, I'm not a whipped cream girl. Oh, oh my god! Real, even real whipped cream, not even the canned stuff. Like yeah, no, stuff. I yeah, no, no, no I've, I've made it that. myself where it's been okay, but it, no, it, it's kind of like flavorless. Uh, I know people are going to come for me. All right, let's don't do add Alicia. Yeah, right. Right in. Uh, but don't add her on the bird or anything like that. So. All right. <laughs> I wanted to go back really quick. When they were doing the interrogation with X5 in the box, something that I noticed was, and, and this is just, again, pointing to good writing, is that Loki never asked B- X5 about General Docs. He only asked, you know, where is he did you find once. Yeah, but did he? yeah. Yeah, the first time he did, but then after that it was just No, but when it's just Loki in the box, when he has him in the in the oh, cube okay, yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, Did you find Sylvie and where is she? And all X five does is say, I don't know where General Docs is. I don't know what the plans are. So it was really nicely done that He's answering different questions than what is being asked of him, which is an avoidance, right? right, Right. But he was lying anyway, because he did know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but Sylvie found out where um, she and Chan... Oh, that's right. Of of course, yes. You you are correct. She got out of his head. Right. She got it out of his head. That's right. So he knew. 
Yeah. <clears throat> that box thing was great too. The visual look of it, that sort of aged plexiglass yeah. uh, uh, quality to it. And it looks like the time doors in a way, but it, it's not. That's a terrifying torture device too. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It, it was for someone who's claustrophobic. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to do like the contortionist from the wheel of time. Uh, ah. Right. Where Rima, yeah. In the 70s, oh, what was that? There was a show where people would go on and it was a big game show-y style show. Amazing, amazing people or amazing, I forget what it's called. And they would always have the the yogi in the box who would like Mm. be in the box for 18 days or something like that and slow there. Um, So that's what that made. That was a callback for me for that. Oh, uh, another call out really quick. The shot of Brad laying on the gridded floor, laying down, and then they do the camera mm, version yeah, when they're yeah. bringing in the the torture. Just incredible stuff. So many, so many fun little uses of camera and angle. So I'll yeah. I'll, I'll try to tamp down my gushing, but I can't. No, no. don't, don't. <laughs> it deserves it. It deserves it. It does. All right. Yeah. Then we, we get uh, Brad bringing the boys to see Sylvie in Broxton, Oklahoma, 1982. And uh, she's working at a McDonald's and she is not happy to see them. Loki tries to appeal to her for help, telling her he saw her when he time slipped to the future TVA. But she just wants to be done with it all. And uh, Brad's acting really squirrely. So Sylvie ends up using her enchanting powers to uncover his plot with General Docs uh, to bomb all the branch timelines, including the one where she is hiding. So, yay, the gang's back together. Yes, that was fun. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You know, I, I, I really like that Sylvie was just living her life. You know, yeah. That's the one thing I wanted for her, just to have some sort of normalcy, whatever that normalcy would be. That doesn't make good TV, though, so. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it's but not going to last. I was happy to see that, mm-hmm. that for a little bit, she, she was just, you she know. She got a moment. Yeah, I'm in this McDonald's. I got a truck. It's a flatbed. You know, <laughs> I'm looking at the stars. You know, who knows what else she, she's been able to, to do. She's got a job and living a very mundane, ho-hum life, apparently. Which, you know, they're. There's some, there's a dignity in that, right? And and Absolutely. being of service to people, and yeah, uh, and living a simple life. There's, you know, she's had a complex life. She's had a, a very complex and life. One, and yeah. she killed a lot yeah. of people. Yep. Right? Yeah. She's a she's a Loki. She is a Loki. Mm-hmm. So and on the run, chaos. Yeah, yeah, and as we didn't we didn't really talk about, but when Brad was uh, laying down on Loki, he was saying, "You did bad stuff to a lot of people, and every time." We go through, I read your file, you are a problem. No matter what variant you are, no matter you know where you right. are, on whatever timeline, it's that constant core, problem from yeah. you. It's core to who you are. And, and then he calls him a loser. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. just yeah. calls him, right? yeah, <laughs> him a loser. You know, and it's like, yeah, this guy, Brad, man. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> Brad, whoa. He's oh. laying out the truth, though, because uh, that is Loki's. Right? Oh, this yeah, tragic definitely. misanthrope character. Yeah. I don't know if he's tragic, but yeah, I, I, I will agree. Well, I agree with everything that Brad says. Right. But it's mm-hmm. just that it's coming from Brad. But he says problem. it in a douchey oh, right, way. Right, yeah. that's, yeah. that's fair enough. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, Mobius, he gets more pie. He <laughs> seems to be a, quite the pie loving dude. Um, but I have to say that okay. the Mobius X5 banter didn't work as well for me in this scene as really? I would have hoped. Yeah. Okay. Huh. But okay. I guess you guys feel differently. But uh, yeah, what were you going to say, David? 
Uh, the pie is deadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if <laughs> y'all remember the apple pie or the cherry pie, the way that they would heat it up in some mm-hmm. sort of oh, air the lava. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. I was disabused at an early age of ever ordering pie when we yeah. went to McDonald's because I was so afraid. And then you would have to wait like 45 yeah. minutes an hour for that freaking thing to cool down before you can. And then by then, it's just disgusting sugar syrup, right? So uh, the, the, yeah. finding the perfect temperature that didn't scald the inside of your mouth and fuse your lips together to get that deliciousness. Yeah, it was a very well, frustrating. They, they, they got we, the temperature right in Broxton. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. was, he was killing that pie. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Um, yeah, we have a similar thing here called bitterballen, which are like these um, fried, breaded kind of gravy balls. Okay. And yeah, they're the same. Like everyone, especially new people, they come out and immediately put them in their mouth and then, you know, <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> immediately lose all the skin. <laughs> oh, no. Skin, question mark? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another quick call out about sort of McDonald's things. Okay. So what's up with McDonald's? I heard an ad the other day for McDonald's with Brian Cox from, you know, the, obviously from Severance and he's doing an ad. There was a couple of other McDonald's things. McDonald's is opening up the bag. They are shelling out some cash. Mm. And we got a great overhead drone shot here of the McDonald's sign. And they it says over 40 billion served. And I think that's accurate to the 80s. That's that's what I recall in the 80s that it was a, a 40 billion number. So I don't know what's up, but McDonald's is on a big push recently. And I think mm. I think Disney is down to have some of that cash because they got to pay back some of the $4 billion that they used <laughs> to buy the MCU title. So mm. I, I, I wonder how much more tie-ins that we're going to see in, in future properties. So far, it's not bad. I don't mind what how they're, no. they're using it so far. It, it, it seems okay. It uh, seems like part of the story. It's not just it does. product placement. Yeah. So... I mean, it's she was going to do this somewhere. Yeah. yeah. She was going to do this somewhere. Why not at McDonald's? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. There are no yeah. big belly burgers here. <laughs> Did you guys notice too on the typography when they do the dates? And I'm looking at this right now. Uh, and I didn't notice this before, but they have the 1982 and then they have the Broxton, Oklahoma. And in the middle, there's a timeline with little branches and then mm-hmm. they box in the text that says branched timeline. Right, and right. They indicate which timeline branching it's coming off of. I thought that that's, again, just yeah. really good attention Brilliant to detail. detail. Well, so then, yeah. so that tells us that the timeline Brad, Brad was on, um, that he can just go back to it after this like massive timeline genocide. Because that was that was the sacred timeline. I'm, ju- I'm scrubbing back up to that moment now. But to, then, uh, meanwhile, this timeline that Sylvie's on, like they would just take her out, so they knew where she was. Fine, great, and that was one of the timelines they were going to prune anyway. So, just uh, part of the bigger job for them. But right. he, his other alternative life is going to be safe. Yeah, it says sacred timeline right under the 1977. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, once they get back to the TVA, uh, B-15 is watching the branches blow up on a TVA monitor, and the genocide of it all is just showing on her face. So mm-hmm. I have to give uh, Wunmi some credit for that. Um, and while Loki times two plus Bestie, they find General Docs and their cronies in an old shipping yard. They eventually stop her from pruning even more timelines, including Sylvie's timeline hideout, by Loki squared holding hands for a green energy blast. And they take Docs and her remaining loyalists into custody. 
Uh, Sylvie returns to her timeline hideout, thinking about all that genocide and the ineffectiveness of the TVA, but promising her kid manager, Jack, Jack Cunningham Nuttall, that she'll be in for work the next day. And we see she still has He Who Remains special tempad wristlet. And, oh, Casey also got a hit on Renslayer's tempad. Really great building of this episode. So we get a short, sharp s- sequence of action. They pay out the the doc storyline really quickly. I, I, th- I just thought that they wrapped it up nicely in, in a quick way that made sense and then didn't... You know, we're we're not struggling with the doc storyline for the the whole of the series, right? That's that's not the story. Um, so yeah, it was. I th- I thought this was sequence was really well done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I was wondering about the, uh, just thinking of them. Did either of you watch The Gifted, or uh, have you read about like the Struckers slash Von Strucker twins from the comics uh, called Fenris? Um, anyway, they they hold hands to do these energy blasts like that. So it's just making me think of that. Uh, probably just you have enough ideas in Marvel comics that they repeat themselves. But okay. interesting parallel. Did anybody else see the? Um when they, they were showing the timelines being pruned back, it really reminded me of the old Missile Command game where we had the big trackball. <laughs> John, just <laughs> did you did you just have a flashback, John? Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. Kind the of, little explosions I mean, and the way that the timelines feed. Yeah, I didn't just, see that. Just give me vibes. Just I didn't see vibes. that at first. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Thanks, I'm, I'm doing a, a. This show has given me a lot of nostalgia. So yeah. Hard. Well, yeah, they're they're doing that well. They're yeah. Making it like sort of vaguely seventies, eighties. Yeah. All this time travel. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Yeah, and uh, I, I have a a theory about what we see Sylvie holding at the okay. end. Um, we see we it's the special tempad from uh, from he who who remains, as I said. Right. But, I had a big question mark about this. Yeah. Yeah. But could could it be that Miss Minutes is like controlled from this? So could it be that Sylvie would then now be in control of Miss Minutes? Interesting. I don't think so. No, I don't think so, because we we from what we saw, he who remains didn't use it in that way when we saw him. I think yeah. he used it more, and 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 that's the one pad that could basically do anything. It's definitely the master pad. Yeah. Yeah. So they teased the pad too in the previously on. So in the opening of this episode, they showed us that little uh, pad thing and it was kind of broken, wasn't it? I mean, it's, it's like his whole, his whole like castle at the end of the world uh, had this, what did, what did we call it again? The Mitsukuni? Oh, right. The Uh, the Japanese uh, art of repairing things mm -hmm. with gold. Yeah which we saw in, in Ahsoka. So hmm, that's an interesting, uh, there's huh. a little, what do you call that? Zeitgeist thing happening. So yeah, I, I don't know if it, that she, the thing that, that struck me is that, that, that she took it from, from him. And I'm wondering, I was left wondering why she took it from him. Right. Sorry, it's called Kintsugi. Just right. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. You. But you were wondering why she took it why, from, why she took from his, his cold dead hands. Right. Yeah. She, I she mean, had, yeah. She took it off him when after she ended his 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 life. So, what's the purpose? If she is intending to just live out her her life in a quiet way, you know, right. ho hum and mundane. Why does she feel the need to have this super powerful weapon? 
because that's good way to basically that's yourself. what it is. Good way Wait, to oh, yeah. protect your yeah. timeline. Maybe as as security, although it was almost destroyed. But no, um, yeah. But she, why doesn't she give it to like Loki? You mean? Like, what should she do with it otherwise? Why doesn't she that's, use it when they're fighting? Dogs? Right, that's what I'm saying. Why isn't she using uh, it? Because she's she she had. We see it at the end. She's mm-hmm. she's holding it, right? Yep. But does why she know she what she can that? do with it? Why is she keeping it away from? Yeah, why is like she hiding tell it? Them? Right, mm-hmm. she's hiding mm-hmm. it. Like she has mm-hmm. this ace up her sleeve that she's not letting anyone else know about, and mm-hmm. I want to know why. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, she seems to be struggling. I, I like how Loki says to her at the at the end, um, right before she leaves the TBA. He's like, "It's harder to stay," and she walks away. So we're Great seeing, line. Great yeah. Line. We're seeing he might be starting to mature past where she is right now with uh, dealing with all their Loki trauma. Right. And the if delivery, she, it's harder, pause, 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 as she walks away. Mm-hmm. Right. To stay. stay. Yeah. And you, you feel the resolve and, the, and that he's struggling with it as well. And, right. And uh, it's, a, it's a really great, another entry into the question of, do you stay and maintain, you know, part of the bureaucracy and try to do the whole change from in, or are you trying to be the outside causal agent and the tension between those things? So yeah, really, really nice to see Loki struggling with that and, and potentially getting some growth out of, out of this. And she is Loki, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we've already established that all Lokis are evil, villainous, Loser. Right? Oh, evil is not the word I would use, but <laughs> no, okay. villain is, sure. Well, Loki in, in traditional mythology isn't evil. Not right, evil, right, 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 right. It's, right. it's God it's of mischief and, and tricksters mm-hmm. and, mischievous, you know, yeah. mischievous. Okay, so we, we, we've we established that. And Brad has established, in at least in our universe that we're watching, that every Loki is a villain, mm. right? So are we seeing... From whose perspective? But yeah, that's a question that we can ask of, of almost every character, right? Right, hero or villain. What makes mm-hmm. one a hero? What makes one a villain? Right. Yes. It's, right. It's well, which is what comic books do, right? Which that's is what, what they the, do. And, so, and when we have something like uh, um, the boys, when it flips all that on its head, right? <laughs> it's still we're we're struggling with you know when you have that much power. You know, so it's just yeah, it's it's part of the genre. It's it's baked into it's a it's the baked in question to the superhero, right? Genre. So that's mm-hmm. why it got me thinking. Like, why is she holding on? What 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 is the reason that she has this? Because she's not reformed. She hasn't right. gone on her redemption arc as far. No, as I can and she's tell. just hiding out. She's just uh, right, um, right. She's withdrawn from the world, which is just as. When you're when you're hiding from the world, that's not doing the world any good or yourself any good, right? It may right. You may need a moment to take for yourself. That's fine, but yeah, that's that's not how to live. That's not living. Hmm. So, are we seeing you know someone on the path of you know making atoning, right? Mm-hmm. As we're seeing with 2012 Loki, or are we seeing someone who is plotting? And biding their time until they can. I think she's trying to figure it out. Regain. I think she's trying to figure it out. What they've lost. Yeah. I suddenly got snapped over to Ahsoka because the Ahsoka had a bunch to say about this as well. You know, becoming wholeness and atoning and right choices. Uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. 
So, yeah, yeah that's that's where I'm at with with Sylvie, especially in the last shot of her. You know, after um, Jack leaves, mm-hmm. and she's just you know holding on to it and looking yeah. at it like. Can I uh, play into Jean your suspicious brain and uh, (laughs) point out that it's awfully convenient that these timelines are being pruned in terms of preventing this temporal meltdown that Ob is trying to put off? Oh, holy! You see, that's a nice catch. (laughs) That's a nice catch. That's a nice catch. I didn't even think about that. Well, this goes into the the thing that Sylvie says too. She says, you know, you're. You know the TVA is broken. It's it's the problem, and Loki and his argument to get her to get engaged was that the TVA is our only hope. You're my only hope, TVA. Um, <laughs> that uh, that it's actually the TVA that then ended up pruning all the timelines right. because Docs was doing her thing against you know judges' orders. But, well, I mean, but that is in sticking with Kang's or, you know, he who remains or whatever we're calling his whole original mission. Yeah, exactly. was to preserve the one timeline because that one one variant that Mm -hmm. won out on the Kang Wars is, right? That's the... Right. Right. And, yeah, and can we point out just to heat back up the ongoing what universe number are we in debate? Uh, They show the sacred timeline as being 616 in this show. Now, we thought, so Sony brought up in the latest Spider-Verse movie, they called this universe 19999. So I'm wondering, here's, here's my crazy crackpot theory, maybe... Sony one nine 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 and um, MCU six one six are like very close, but not exactly the same universe. Hmm. Like they're just next to each other. Okay, that's just my theory to make it work. But then, (laughs) but then, what happens is this is comic booky, but we saw it in Multiverse of Madness when two universes get so close to each other. Mm-hmm. An incursion occurs, mm. and boom! Mm. So that would be insane, but really fun. <laughs> it would be insane, <laughs> but really fun. I w- I would be down for that. How do you do that, though, boy? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm I'm yeah. trying to. I would have TV to wrap movies, my. What? Yeah, it would have to. That's be the movies. beauty of comic books is that you can spiral off like that without a problem, right? It could right. be part of Secret Wars. Like I'm curious right. how much the right. Sony side of things might be brought into Secret Wars. Hmm. Yeah, it's too bad that shareholders would would never go for uh, a team up like that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, they've been yeah, they've been working together and and borrowing uh, actors and characters, so mm. at least they've established the groundwork for that. Yeah, we can only hope for some cooperation. One quick little side note: Did you notice Sylvie's earring that she was wearing? Yeah, in the yeah, when they were standing in the TVA, it was a single earring of an onk. So, weren't you guys talking about some Egyptian mythology? Yeah, last what? time with a pharaoh, one of the Kang variants. Yeah, and he's he was also teased in, uh, of course, Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Yeah. Okay. Has, so, well, there's a there's a little Moon Knight. Yeah, thing there's double. It's a double reveal there. That on. Mm-hmm. It's it really is. no. It's not noticeable at all. It's when she she pops into the TVA control room and Loki's talking to her, and you can just see she's just got one single. Oh, earring. I look at earrings. I noticed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, missed it on my first watch, but I picked it up uh, on the on the second. So. Might she be working with Ramatut? Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
because he's not the king that's got her on the run. She said she would kill, like, what if a variant pops up and she's like, I'll kill him, mm. which is a lot of bravada, but yeah, okay, but he's not the king that's you know been chasing her yeah. for her entire life, okay, he's right. not TVA king, right. All right, so some fun, some fun things to keep our eyes out for in the rest of the season. Uh, last note that I had was the needle drop, the song that was playing. What do they call it? Dia, diegetic, where it's in mm-hmm. in universe thing, and then during the credits, we actually hear the song, and it's Cosmic Blues um, by Janis Joplin, uh, published Great in nineteen sixty nine, and this was a famous song. It was one of it was off of her first album or an early performance when she after she left or separated with uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company, and I think one of the first performances of this song was at Woodstock, and it's a it's a very famous song for folks who are really into you know Janice's you know whole thing, but it's a song about time and slipping away and questioning what happened to your friendships along the way. And Mm -hmm. I'll just read the first stanza. Time keeps moving on. Friends, they turn away. I keep moving on, but I never found out why. I keep pushing too hard. And babe, I keep trying to make it right uh, through another lonely day. Uh, So this is really a perfect vibe for, I think, what they're setting up for for Sylvie, right? So Mm -hmm. yes, she's quote unquote happy working here in this branch timeline. But is she really? Uh, is she is she lonely? Is she she doesn't have community? She doesn't have you know. There's there's something missing for her in her life, and she's ruminating on it. And she's thinking about it, right? And she's trying to to work something out. So I think I thought that was a really nice choice for the song. Yeah, agree. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's the episode. You guys got any more notes? I'm just excited to hear Jean's comic corner. Okay, it <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do uh, Comics Corner, and then we'll get into our one piece of feedback for this week, and we'll be right back. Okay, and we're back. Jean, you have some Comics Corner insights for us. Yeah, so really quickly, X5, um, Brad Wolf, who's starring as Zaniac. So Zaniac is actually a a Marvel comic book character um, who first appeared in in the Thor. um, Oh, more Thor. Yeah, (laughs) who first Mm -hmm. appeared in Thor, in Thor Marvel. Um, But the interesting part of it is that Zaniac is actually like a otherworldly entity who serves Dormammu. Dormammu, oh. which we saw in the first Doctor Strange That's um, right. mm-hmm. movie, uh, who wants to come back to Earth. He was expelled from Earth billions, eons ago, and um, from our plane of reality, and is now in the dark dimension. So he sends this entity um, back to Earth in the 19th century to just wreak havoc on humanity, right? This entity takes on the persona of he possesses Tom Malvern. This is late 
18, 1800s. And Tom Malvern is a psychopath, right? <laughs> he's like, uh, he, 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 he's a, a, just a terrible person, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Malvern then goes on to start killing women. He's Being a white misogynistic chef. piece of shit. Right? Okay. <laughs> right. And he starts to kill women in London. And what did you say? Where in London? Whitechapel. Uh, at least Whitechapel. So who is Tom Malvern? <laughs> Dear listener, in Marvel Comics, Tom Malvern is Jack the Ripper. Oh. Okay. So he is a canon character. In Marvel cat in Marvel Comics. Okay. Tom Marvin dies eventually, and the entity just floats throughout time, biding his time, looking for another person to possess. And he comes to possess Brad Wolf, who is an actor. Brad Wolf is starring in a movie called Zaniac. And he there's an explosion and the costume that he's wearing melds to his body zaniac possesses the entity possesses tom possesses him brad wolf and we have the creature called zaniac is born so he wasn't zaniac back in the 19th century he's zaniac only when he possesses brad wolf who's playing the character zaniac on screen um he becomes a thor villain at this point because he tried to kill another woman, right? Mm -hmm. So this entity is definitely a misogynistic creature because he's trying to kill women throughout time, right? So now he tries to kill another Thor character. Um, This is Dr. Donald Blake. There was a time in Thor comics where Odin, Thor's father, thought Thor was full of hubris. So he made him unable to beat Thor at all times. He wrapped his persona in that of a human person, Dr. Donald Blake. And he could only become Thor when Dr. Donald Blake tapped his um, cane and transformed into Thor in times of need. Zaniac went to kill one of Donald Blake's um, associates and friends. Thor saved her, blah, blah, blah. That's how we get Zaniac in Marvel Comics. Now, many years after that first encounter, he goes on to try to kill Jane Foster, who, who is, you know, in Thor lore, is, is one of Thor's loves. Um, and this is where Zaniac is defeated, um, finally. How is he defeated? With Thor? Someone from the TVA, yes, the Tom Variance Authority, comes back in time because there is a a future where Zaniac causes so much destruction that he destroys the universe, sets off the destruction of the universe. So he's come back in time to basically prune all Zaniacs from existence. Okay. This is some really deep stuff Just deep going cut. on in, <laughs> in this Loki uh, series because we have so many tie-ins. You have Thor, you have the TVA, um, Jane Forrester, 
there there are so many levels to what they're doing in this show um again and when i hadn't read this particular comic series um until alicia brought it up last week i'm like oh wait a minute see here oh was it last week or was it in our prep when we were prepping for it in our prep i guess probably yeah. yeah it was probably in the prep for the season so i went back and did the homework and i was like oh wow this this is really something that i did not expect to see out of this you know season of loki it's a really deep dive in a character that is i think really interesting i went back and i'm you, you know go ahead how much of this do you think will carry over to our brad wolf in the show i don't think it's going to carry over because if it does carry over then it's opening up the Loki show to a whole other part of the Marvel universe of the MCU, mm-hmm. because then we'd have to deal with, you know what? But but one thing I one thing I pointed out huh. that's in the outro is there does seem to be a sling ring in the the stuff they show us during the outro to the episodes. That's true, and it's it's a magical creature, mm-hmm. and Loki is a is a creature of magic. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know. I'm curious. Huh. Yeah. Uh, now I'm curious. Because <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think before I didn't think beforehand that they would be able to bring in the character because you know it's a dark dimension character. It's a, a Doctor Strange mm-hmm. beginning of a character. But well, could Doctor Strange be the character that uh, they weren't allowed to use? That's in this show? what I'm saying because it, mm. it is magical, and mm-hmm. Loki is a creature of magic, right? So. Maybe it's not Thor. Maybe it's not Thor. Hmm. Maybe it was one Doctor Strange. How how would you feel, David, if the Loki plot took this twist with him being possessed by the this you know dark side entity that makes him a, a killer? They'd a have to be killer. pretty careful with the plot, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a thin line that they're they're crossing there. Could you do the the Doctor Strange crossover stuff with some dark, some sort of generic dark entity, and then just using the Zaniac thing as a as a mechanism without going into Zaniac deeply. Maybe mm-hmm. you know I, I'm not versed well enough to. Um, yeah, I mean to that's often how they too much. That's often how they do it. They just simplify, you know, yeah. which makes sense, right? So, but and give enough to comic book fans to have them sort of engaged, while at the same time for us non-comic book readers, um, for me, comic book, non-comic book reader. Um, yeah, uh, that, that seems like how they could, uh, smoosh it together. Okay, cool. Any more thoughts on that? Or is that you're going to maybe. No, can- that's, that's my only thought. Uh, and you know, if you read bearded Thor, because that was the time when Thor had a beard, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good uh, transition to feedback. Remember you can do, uh, send us feedback, mcu at the lorehounds.com. Head over to our website and there's a contact form and a voicemail feature like Michael used today. Uh, And of course, there's the Discord and there's links to all of those in the show notes. Okay, we've got one email from Abby this week. Abby, thanks for writing in. She says, greetings, Lorehounds. Another awesome episode, wasn't it? Uh, I agree. I think all around, we were all very, very pleased. Mm -hmm. The consensus uh, among some of my friends, fans of Loki, seems to be, yes, Loki is back with a full range of emotions Tom Hiddleston so masterfully expresses. 
We got some cool signature magic, taking no insults without repercussions, but this time with a more mature approach, more calculated versus flying into the uncontrolled rages we have seen in previous movies. He even got to do the friendly therapy therapy session with Mobius. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think about this? I think, um, have, have we seen a maturation with Loki? Have we seen some actual so. growth? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, think I mean, so. he doesn't. I mean, he's that line at the end, you know. It's mm-hmm. harder to stay. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a mature that's line. Yeah, it is. And it when is. Brad's going at him, he doesn't lose it. He doesn't fly out of control. Uh, yeah. And even in the chase <laughs> scene. Does. He, yes, exactly, which is a nice counterpoint. Yeah. And even in the London chase scene, he's pretty, he's pretty in control about it. Yeah, he's yeah. in mm-hmm. control. Yeah, totally. He's confident. Yeah. For sure. One mission, finding Sylvie, is accomplished while the new crisis emerges with the branches bombed and OB having trouble with his device. It looked to me that in spite of the I'm happy line from Sylvie, she seems awfully lonely and sad yep. and as we are cued into by the music. Loki is in a much better place mentally, even if it hurts him to let her go. It's harder to stay, as Mobius puts it, a complicated relationship. Yeah, the finger right on the on the interesting part of the story here, which we really haven't got into, which is Loki and Sylvie and what their what that means and their relationship and and being apart uh, from each other and in the music. So yeah, I think that's all spot on. Do you guys think that now that we've gotten Doc's issue sort of solved, now we have the bigger looming threat? But I I somehow feel. Maybe what Abby's pointing to here is that the next phase of this storyline this season is the Sylvie and Loki relationship. I don't know, Alicia, does that seem? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for the Sylvie-Loki relationship, the uh, <laughs> self-cessed or whatever. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, who, who, lo- who can love yourself better than you? Um, but yes, so I, I don't know that that's, I don't think this is going to turn into like a romance, but I think that's always going to be a persistent theme going throughout the series, the relationship between these two. Right. As much as the relationship between, well, because now like Loki and Mobius, they sort of had their lovers rift, so to speak, in season one. And now that's kind of more ironed out. Right. For sure. Jean, do you think uh, we're going to see more Sylvie and, and Loki? In the yeah, but the- I, I think it, in, as opposite. Okay. She's got some opposite. dark purpose, some terrible yeah. purpose. What's the what was the first episode? What's his uh I've been burdened with terrible purpose? Glorious. Yeah. Glorious uh, purpose. Glorious. All right, maybe it's I'm cool. twisting it into terrible purpose, <laughs> yeah. but uh, glory, terror, you Fine know. Fine line. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because I, I think this is a, again, this is Loki twenty twelve Loki, you know, finding himself and, and trying to atone in, in his own ways. I just don't think Sylvie is there yet. And sure. I think that's going that's going to cause some level of friction between the two. I think the fact that she's got uh, that she has um uh, he who remains little pad that definitely is pointing to the fact that she's got a, a dark road to travel before the season's over. Right? That's power. That's a lot of power in that little thing and she is yeah. not uh, she's not in a good mental framework to be having that thing right well it's, it's trauma right it's, mm-hmm. it's trauma it's, it's trauma from what she what the tva has put her through but also i think it's also you know recognizing what she herself has done mm-hmm. as you know you know she she sees this other version of herself and and staring at her and and trying to to be uh, uh i don't i don't want to say a better 
version of, of oneself, but just trying to come to grips with the things that they have done. Yeah. yeah. So when that she's done, I mean, she killed over 400 hunters, right? Right. So, and those are ultimately just people who were been ripped out of their own timelines. So it's a really messy moral situation. Right. Abby continues, this episode really packed a punch. I hope no one is complaining about pacing. <laughs> Mayor I'm culpa. Not, Mayor culpa. I'm not complaining. No, no. <laughs> the way all of the production just flawlessly ties together is great. Set design, always excellent in queuing up the mood of scenes and the music even more so. 100% agree with that. Hard agree. Shout outs to the production designer Kasra Farhani and composer Natalie Holt again for, you know, doing really amazing work. So uh, Abby wraps it up. My personal favorite of this episode are the ever competent tech savvy protagonists and their connection. Casey and Ouroboros, whatever happens, they need to get out of this unscathed or we riot. <sighs> Except if Ouroboros is something. Is, is a villain. Something is a more. Villain, yeah. Something more. Yeah. Something more. But, you know, maybe he's uh, the the machinery that just is designed to keep the certain parts of the TVA functioning and doesn't have a will of his own. Fair. But even if he, if he is a villain, I still want to keep him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. hope he's a villain. For real. <laughs> Looking forward to the next mission of finding Ravona and the rogue AI, Miss Minutes. Interesting how the temporal aura works. With the different variants, is there any overlap? Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Ever faithful yeah. listener, Abby. Thanks, Abby. Thanks for being a faithful listener. Thanks for yeah. uh, participating in in all that you do. Pretty uh, pretty exciting to have this show, and it's well. Great. So she brings up an interesting point. Yes. Like So the temporal aura does that mean that a different Kang variant could come and unlock it? Hmm. Right. Now, hmm. yeah, your temporal aura, the right temporal aura. So that would mm -hmm. imply that the, the the Kang that built the TVA is the only one, but we've seen other Kang there. Wait. Okay, now my head is getting all timey wimey. I'm, I'm well, we confused. don't really know yet. We've seen like a mural with a bunch of different Kang faces on a wall. So mm -hmm. that kind of But there seems was a statue at the in the end of season mm -hmm. one, right? Right. So the mm -hmm. triple goddess sort of style statue. Well, yeah, there were also in like the Citadel at the end of time, there were different, there were different Kangs, it seems like, and, and at least one of them was crumbled. So maybe it was started by multiple Kangs or was it started by one of them and uh, Renslayer? So these are questions that yes. I think we're going to get answered this season. We have questions. As always, if you have questions, send them into MCU at thelorehouse.com. So to, yes, to that, to that yes. I, we just have to kind of remember that they're all Kang, but mm -hmm. Kang at different times of his life. Mm. But it's also like they're all Kang the way that the Loki variants are all Loki. No. There's still different <laughs> no he, he does well, he, no because it, i think that a lot of them come from different timelines too is the implication no is different no nathaniel richards is the is king right yeah so uh -huh. whenever you see a king it's nathaniel richards at different points of his life yeah like he but, that original character he, is not branching off to but nathaniel richard Nathaniel Richards would exist on if multiple timelines exist, he would exist on many of them at least, the same way that the other characters do. 
I think we're going to have to take this. Yeah, we're, we're. <laughs> <laughs> okay. we got to wrap up this uh, this episode. But it, this is good. I mean, that's great that we're, this is what we want shows to do, right? Is yeah. Spark, right. Spark exactly. debate and conversation. All right. Uh, quick shout outs for our programming schedule for Lorehounds. We're doing uh, Loki, uh, obviously, week to week, full season breakdown. We uh, some of our regularly scheduled programming. We've got Earthsea coming up. We've got a Silmarillion story coming up. What else have we got? No, no other Cornerstone show. So we're going to catch up on things like our Star Wars Film Festival with Return of the Jedi. We've got some crossover potential, Alicia, with you and John doing something mm-hmm. on Fall of the House of Usher. I watched episode one last night with my spouse. Uh, Are you pretty so psyched? Far? Are yeah. you pretty psyched? Yeah, I'm pretty psyched. I've watched the first four episodes now. Okay. And uh, this, yeah, it could be a contender with Hill House for my favorite Mike Flanagan. Maybe overtake it, maybe, especially because I love Poe so much. But yeah, right. it's solid. And you were on Electric Bookaloo with Anthony talking a mm-hmm. little bit about that. And then you and he are having a more deeper conversation about uh, George R. Martin's connections with Poe. Yeah. And then I think you and your sister yes. are doing a pod. Yep. How's that? You guys teed up for that? Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. She's uh, busy watching. And uh, yeah, we grew up watching horror movies together. So cool. That's awesome. And that'll be out on your Wolf Dust feed? That's right. Yeah, later this month. Right. And then you and John are going to do a one shot on our feed, right? So we're going right. to tie up a whole bunch of uh, Poe crossover things. So that sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, you're, um, what else you've got going on in Wolf Dust? Yeah. Um, well, the book club is is kicking back off. Um, There will be a special Halloween treat for subscribers and that's a little free extra. And then also uh, Abby, who we just heard from, is going to be joining me to cover the books of Hugh Howie. And we're going to start actually with Beacon 23 because of the new uh, adaptation that's starting in November that Luke and I will be covering in the public feed. And then Abby and I will be continuing with the Silo series. Very cool. Good stuff. Properly Howard Movie Review, they're wrapping up their series, their season over there of uh, movie remakes. Um, they should have The Sorcerer will be their last movie. Just recently, they covered The Thing, Cape Fear, The Departed. Go check out their feed for uh, that list of movies. Very funny, good stuff. Uh, Steve is a stand-up comic and uh, Anthony is an academic and uh, they have a very funny time on their podcasts. A lot of fun pop culture nonsense and deep dives into actors and characters and directors. And you don't have to be a cinemaphile to enjoy what they've got. You don't even have to have seen the movie. Did anybody catch up with the thing podcast by chance? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. It was... My podcast list is out of control, but I'm, I'm actually listening through their their older Cocoons of Horror stuff, which I really am enjoying. Very Good cool. October Fair. Yeah, that's all there on the on the feed. So yeah, and I just finished listening to you guys on Wheel of Time. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Season wrap Wheel up for time. Wheel of Time. Hi, David. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's up? I you know. How you doing, David? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Just trying to be an honest broker of my feelings. Hey, my hey, hey, that's, hey. that's, that's what fair. it's about. That's, that's what that's it's right. about. Yeah. And it's hard. I was actually listening to um, to the Bald Move guys talk about this with their Ahsoka wrap up. That you know, when you do, when you are critical, you may be like critical to twenty percent, but it sounds like eighty percent, right? There's something about the way that we're sharing our opinions 
in this medium where it, it can feel a little bit stronger than it might be. And so it's a, it's a difficult balance to um, have criticism that doesn't sound like overblown, um, you know, just outright negativity, right? So right, right. That, right. that balance. So. I guess especially con- contrasted with John and I gushing. So <laughs> yes, especially with y'all gushing because you guys are. I, I see that. I see some very high high rankings for uh, Wheel of Time in your end of year uh, lists. Absolutely. I think what we are going to do is probably get all of our co-hosts. We'll do something like our birthday celebration where we talk to everybody for a quick few minutes. And I think what we'll do is like a, a top three or a top five from all of our co-hosts. So start working on your lists and then we'll, we'll include those in our, see, our uh, end of year second breakfast. Sounds um, good. Quick shout out to our lore master Patreon supporters. Real quick note about Patreon too. They just went through a huge brand overhaul. They've refreshed the website. The app is is changed. They're adding a whole bunch of features. So there's some cool stuff there that it's it's not just a surface level thing. It's actually some pretty deep changes. One of the things is that you can get a free membership, which means that you can follow us and you'll get notifications and updates when we uh, when we post things. So if that works for you, you can just click on that and that way you can kind of stay abreast. Uh, otherwise, we have free seven-day trials uh, that you can check us out if you're interested to seeing what kind of content we have. And we have annual memberships available. So if any of those things work for you or help you, great. And if not, cool, just keep listening on the public feeds. Quick shout out to our top tier subscribers, our lore masters. We have Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC, Peter O.H., Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M., Lavinia T., Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H., Sarah L., Gareth C., Eric F., Matthew M., Sarah M., DJ Miwa, Andra B., Guang Yu, Laura G., Jedi Jedi Bob, Nathan T., Alex V., Aaron T., Sub-Zero, and Adrian. Thank you all so very much for your continued support. Thank you to all our Patreon subscribers. Alicia, Jean, thanks so very much for being together again on something that's finally exciting. And, and I think we're all <laughs> very happy. I see your smiling faces on the video. So yeah. <laughs> that's good. We yes, will... Loki makes me happy. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Take care. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>